Hey everyone, welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today I have a very special guest. We are going to talk about circus training concepts and why and how we can bring that to our clients to add a little bit of playfulness, a lot of creativity, some fun, and some athleticism. So I have Elizabeth Squiot with me, and she is a PhD. She has a PhD. She is also owner of circuit fitness and she is a former circus performer so how often do you hear that in one sentence someone who has a phd and was a former circus performer so elizabeth i'm so excited to bring you on to the show and hear what you have to share thank you so much for having me angie i, I can't wait to talk with you some more this morning all right, good. So Elizabeth and I, we had a great conversation over the phone, and I was just very intrigued by her background, a very multifaceted background. And I do think that bringing multifaceted backgrounds into the fitness space just makes the space so much more dynamic and adds such a unique energy to the fitness space. So I think, Elizabeth, you have brought something very unique to us, and I want to talk about that. My first question is, I want to hear a little bit about your journey, because how did you go from this multifaceted career? And let's just start with the circus experience. I want to know what you did in the circus. Well, I started just doing flying trapeze lessons in San Francisco, which, you know, I don't know if, if your listeners know this, but there are circus schools where people from all walks of life can take flying trapeze classes and other circus classes. And that's really how I started doing the flying trapeze. And I just fell in love with the way of training. I fell in love with the environment and just the cross-section of people that were also interested in this really fun way of moving. It felt like an adult playground. You know, that's very, that's actually very, very cool. And I, I literally, my mind is like, hmm, I wonder if there is circus training classes here in Charlotte, North Carolina. So if you live in Charlotte or you're out there and you're teaching circus training, I want to know. So how old were you when you started doing the flying trapeze? I was, I think, 23, 23 sounds about right. Yeah, I think I was 23. So and I was the baby in the class, Angie, I, there were plenty of folks, retired surgeons, college students, uh, corporate people worked in corporate America, I mean, really all walks of life, all ages, different body types. And we were all kind of, you know, running our own race, but doing it as a team. So it was just really a great experience. We were all challenging ourselves in new ways. And we're there for different reasons, but also the same. Oh, that's, that's so super cool. So you were 23. I thought you were going to tell me you were like nine or 10 years old. So at the age of 23, you just started doing the flying trapeze and you joined the circus after that. I started coaching. I started performing in um, local areas, local to the Bay area. Also later on did some coaching and performing in Minneapolis. Um, but I also did aerial silks and fabric because I would be on the flying trapeze platform in the circus school and see these people you know, like dancing in the air. And I thought, oh my goodness, I want to do that. So that really drew my interest more in the actual consistent training and practice and performing was more of the aerial type of dance perspective. 
You know, and I don't know all, all of all our listeners, how many of you have actually tried the aerial silks, but that is truly one of the hardest things I have ever done. Um, I took my first aerial silks class. Uh, I don't even know time. It, I mean, we're in a time warp right now. We'll say within the last decade. And I've never worked so hard for something fitness related. Oh my goodness, the strength, the upper body strength that it takes to get up those aerial silks and then to do all these different um I don't even know what you call them, exercises within the silks. I mean, it is incredibly, incredibly difficult work. So um, so you're 23, you start taking this, you do the flying trapeze, you do the aerial silks, you start coaching. The next thing you know, you call mom and you're like, mom, I'm in the circus. <laughs> well, it was actually not even my mom that I called. So um, I was doing all of this while uh, in a graduate program at a university, in a PhD, in my first my first PhD program. So it was actually after the second year, I was realizing I really want to pursue my circus career before I get too old. And at the time I was in my mid, you know, mid twenties, which feels old for circus. So I actually called the chair of my department and said, I want to leave early with a master's degree. And six years later, I went back and said, hey, can I finish my PhD? Which, by the way, if any of you are in a graduate program, don't ever do that. Don't think you can run off and join the circus and come back. <laughs> <laughs> there was one golden ticket, and I think I got it. So, so oh, that's how that happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not everybody gets to leave and come back and say, hey, can I pick up where I left off? I still have my books. I just need to dust them off a little bit. So, so okay, you, you go back. You leave your PhD program for six years. You do your circus fund. You come back finish your PhD. And uh, tell me how this journey evolved then to where you started circuit fitness, because at the end of the day, we are all fitness pros going, okay, so how did this translate to you working with clients in the fitness space? Right. So um, in between my master's and PhD, Angie, I was adjunct teaching as a professor in English and Spanish in the Minneapolis State. Oh, wait a minute. That makes total sense. English and Spanish. (laughs) I love this. Sorry. Just had to interject that. Not a PhD in, you know, kinesiology. Okay. All right. Keep going. Sorry about that. No, the circus never stops. Um, So I was teaching and, you know, I don't know if your listeners are aware, but adjunct professors really don't make a lot of money. So to supplement my income, I got trained in Pilates. I became certified in Pilates, became a personal trainer, and I just naturally started blending kind of traditional Pilates moves, traditional fitness moves, and integrated them with my fitness training in the circus and started developing these hybrid ways of moving. And that's really how it got started. Okay. So you, I I get you because um, I taught at Northern Illinois university. I was adjunct for five years and uh, paid the bills, not without money. And so um, while I say that aerial silks was one of my hardest fitness workouts, One of the hardest but most rewarding things I've ever done in my life is teaching at a university, but it's also one of the poorest jobs I've ever had. So, um, so yes, that makes total sense to me. Um, So you then you get certified in Pilates, you start blending Pilates with what you learn in the circus, and um, then you started to develop circuit fitness. And uh, when did that come to its full fruition, so to speak. When did you start circus fitness or circuit fitness? Sorry, circuit fitness. That's that's okay. So I started these hybrid programs around 2010 
And Circuit Fitness has gone through a few few iterations. And the most recent one, I rewrote the manual with uh, Linda Shelton, and I it was 2018. So um, that's the current manual we are teaching from, and it's a, it's a one-day workshop now approved by NASM for continuing education, which we are very proud of. And, and that's the program where any fitness professional, anyone wanting to be a fitness professional can learn this modality and take these concepts of circus training and bring it to their clients in a way that's accessible. Okay, fantastic. So again, I'm talking to Elizabeth Squiot, and she is a PhD. She's a former circus performer, and she owns Circuit Fitness, and she just dropped an amazing ball on us and told us that as NASM professionals, she's a partnership, and she has an NASM-approved Circuit Fitness training program that is one day to teach fitness professionals how to bring circus concepts to their clients. So I think that's amazing. You're an NASM partner, so you've got something to offer for all of us NASM fitness pros. So let's deep dive into this a little bit, Elizabeth. So let's kind of talk about, um, I love your program and I love that, but I also love the conceptualization of bringing the circus into fitness and infusing those concepts. So when I think of the circus, I think of playfulness, I think of creativity, and I also think of, um, of athleticism. So I think that it's not lost on any of us when we watch things like the aerial silks and all those different uh, things that are done in the circus, how much athletic power that takes. And yet it's in a playful environment. So no one looks up at it and says, oh, that must be so hard. We just look it up and we're completely awestruck. So um, if you had to, if you had to say, I guess my question would be, you know, I, I started off on this and I'm like, well, Angie, what's your question here? So what is it about? Cause I know you and I talked about creativity in the brain. So let's go with that one. Cause you talk about that in your program. So what about creativity in the brain? What can you tell us? Well, there's so many ways that circus really challenges our creativity. And when we talk about making fitness fun and making it playful, it doesn't mean we're not serious about what we're doing. We're in fact, we're serious about, you know, getting, being playful and creative about it, but it's really that exploratory approach to fitness. So how can I become successful in this move? What can I do to move that way? What would happen if I challenged myself in my, in my rows on the circuit fitness trapeze, if I started picking up one leg, could I do that? What does that feel like? And it's really about exploring new ways to do things and also exploring new ways of doing things and of moving. So often as we you know, move forward in life, we don't often do new things. And it's really important for brain health. And I think just to stay motivated in fitness, to continue to try new things, give ourselves new sensory experiences. So instead of doing pull-ups on a bar, what does it feel like to do it on the silks? And what, how does that challenge our grip strength and strength and forearm strength? And what does that feel like? So I think that's really important too. 
You know, and I really appreciate you saving me on that question because I I, I couldn't quite get to it, but I, I think that you hit it spot on is, is, is it's exploring our body. It's exploring mm-hmm. our physicality, exploring our emotional connection to movement. And so anything, that is one of my goals this year is to explore different ways to move my body. I don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. I love to swing kettlebells. I love to run, but I need something different. And so that is the thing. And, and you just tapped onto it is that exploring different ways of moving our body means that we are exploring different ways of challenging our brain. So our brain really adapts to creative processes and it keeps those, you know, that neuroplasticity very healthy. Right. So, um, I think that's, that's vital. Were you going to say something else to that? Well, absolutely. And in fact, if people are interested later, I can, I'm happy to share some peer reviewed research that shows how doing physical activity that challenges our coordination is actually really good for our brains. And we do incorporate some moves that challenge coordination in the circuit fitness workout. So, you know, even if you're not training a client in circuit fitness, I encourage you to start to bring in some new moves to challenge clients coordination in safe ways. And that can kind of bring in that exploratory perspective and playfulness into your sessions in a really positive way. Yeah. So it's not just the exploratory process. It's it's also in that creativity in the brain. I think it's also the playfulness. And I think that that's what really intrigues me about circuit fitness training is that you we sometimes lose sight of that playfulness. We sometimes lose sight of the fun in fitness. And I, I do think that that's why people love working on a group. So I think that's why people love group fitness, because that's the energy and the playfulness you get to have camaraderie and companionship with other people. So when I look at circuit fitness, I also think about that playfulness. So um, you were going to talk about that kind of that playfulness in the brain and the creativity in the brain. And tell us a little bit about that. Well, going back to your great question earlier about how I got started in circus, Angie, when I found that circus center where I could do flying trapeze, I was really excited to go. And it rekindle that excitement we have often when we're kids when the recess bell rings we just can't wait we've got to run outside right and i think it's really important to find that as an adult to get excited about movement and what makes us excited to work out whether it's friendships whether it's working out in groups doing new things all of the above i think that's so important to make it playful even if we're training for a marathon which can be very redundant and repetitive how can we make that playful can we join a running club can we play with our um paces in the race what can we bring in some races in between can we connect with people online anything to bring that engagement and social interaction will help make it more fun and that will keep us consistent and motivated to continue yeah, I agree with that. You know, it's funny because even I ran a turkey trot at Thanksgiving and people were dressed up. Some were wearing little, you know, turkey costumes. But anytime I run a race, it's not just the energy of that race. Um, it's also the fact that there's a, there's a lot of playfulness. There's a lot of playfulness to doing event types of fitness. And that's why I think that when somebody says we're going to do yoga in the park, it's it's like an event. It's, it's like a party. And it adds an element of playfulness. And it's also 
creativity. So um, I, I think that, yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. I think that that's a great way of putting it. So again, I'm talking to Elizabeth Squiot. Elizabeth has a PhD and she is also owner of Circuit Fitness and she is a former circus performer. So we're talking about not just Elizabeth's program, which trains you in circuit style fitness, where you can bring these concepts to your clients, but we're also talking about what is the goal of bringing the circus to your clients and how can we do this? And what about creativity and playfulness? You know, Elizabeth, one of the things I was thinking is even just bringing in a hula hoop, right? Uh, there, there are hula hoop classes, but handing our clients a hula hoop and having them try Hula-ing, is that the word? <laughs> it's, it's, it's creative, it's challenging, um, it's fun, right? So what yeah. are some other easy to bring in implements that are almost like the circus that don't really cost us much? I'm thinking the hula hoop. Yeah. Well, honestly, if there's a safe way for someone to hold an isometric position and start to do some one hand or two hand juggling to challenge coordination, that could be really fun. Even if it's some, with something simple, like, um, you know, you can use hacky sacks, you can use little scarves to do that. But also, you know, do things in new ways, move across the floor in new ways. Um, there are so many interesting quadruped moves and, and positions on the floor, which are, again, are really good to challenge coordination. They move our bodies in different planes of motion. And those tend to be really fun for adults because most of us haven't done those since gym class. And gym class, may we may not may or may not have positive memories of gym class, but we can make new memories as an adult and bring those into our workouts. And a lot of those moves are really hard, right? So it, it's not to say that bringing fitness into our, bringing fun fitness doesn't is, is easy. It can be really hard, really effective, challenging, and fun. It can all exist um, together and in, in the same type of training. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because I also think like kids play balls. So if you don't have a Pilates ball, just even kids play balls. I trained seniors and um, mm -hmm. the other day I brought in a light medicine ball and just had them toss the ball back and forth. And they had so much fun with it. And it added so much more energy and laughter to the situation. But I think juggling is a great idea. I remember being in college and that was a big game. Hacky sack was a really big game that requires a tremendous amount of coordination. And again, coordination and pattern is really good for the brain. So hacky sacks, juggling. I have a, a friend who's going to be on in a few weeks and he's really taken up juggling because of all the research on the brain and those cross-body movements, but also the, you know, all the, <laughs> what am I trying to say? All the, the brain processes that are required to keep these things going. So yeah. That's gonna, a great idea. I can't wait to hear that one. I'll be sure to tune in on the juggling. Yeah, definitely. And the hula hoops. So, you know, it, tell me a little bit about, tell us a little bit more about your program, your specific program. So if we were to go through your one day training, what kind of circus uh, programming do you bring to your program? Are we going to do aerial silks? Are we going to do the flying trapeze? <laughs> what are we going to do? Well, you won't do flying trippies. You can keep your feet on the ground the entire time in the circuit fitness workout. So the circuit fitness workout is circus infused circuit training. So it is a circuit workout with four stations and folks can stay in their own kind of contained area. So they don't 
necessarily have to share equipment with Circuit Fitness. It uses our patented trapeze, which is essentially an adjustable pull-up bar, an aerial silk, and two floor stations. And it's a structured 45-minute workout. So clients get a full-body workout in only 45 minutes. There's no choreography for trainers to learn. Anyone can learn it. You don't necessarily have to have a circus background to learn it. And it's really a way to essentially bring the height of the circus and the fun of the circus um, and the challenge to any client that you might have in a group fitness workout or in a personal training session in a way that's really accessible to them, but also fun and uh, easy to coach and helps all of your clients find success in really challenging moves. Okay. So it's like, it's, it's like a circus in a box. So you've got this, you've got this pull-up bar that is patented by you. It's, it's like a adjustable pull-up bar, you said, and, um, but they can keep their feet on the floor if they need to. But -hmm. I would imagine that really, really trains for upper body strength and core strength. And then they can also do the aerial silks. And then you've got the two floor stations. What I like about your program is that doing aerial silks for a full 45 minutes and nothing else is exhausting. Uh, doing pull-ups for 45 minutes. Well, I don't know about the rest of you out there, but I couldn't do that. And so you're mixing it up and you've also got the two floor stations. So um, that's that's a very cool program. I, I, like, the, I like that. So what about ages? Um, all ages? Do you feel like it caters to everyone? I've had any, anyone from, from tweens in circuit fitness to, I want to say late 70s, early 80s in a class and everyone in between. And um, again, it's really adaptable to different fitness levels. So I've had, you know, professional circus performers in class with, you know, kind of your everyday uh, kind of uh, person that's just working out to stay fit. And they are both doing the same moves, but they're doing different versions of them. So they're, they're challenged, but uh, just at different, we might say challenge levels in that workout. Right. You know, one thing I was thinking about is because you were a circus performer and you are trained in Pilates, um, a question that I really want to ask you about is how do, because I think this happens a lot with trainers, um, because we are a multifaceted industry. Like I said, people are coming in from all different uh, spaces in life where they might have been formerly in business or what have you. And they might be really strong, really athletic and really good at stuff. And And then all of a sudden they become a trainer and recognize that you can be really good at something and it doesn't mean you're great at teaching it. And I think that that is a huge nuance as a coach and as a fitness trainer, we have to be able to coach and teach people to be successful. It doesn't matter how good we are at something. And so you obviously are a circus performer. So what can you tell us about being able to teach something to someone when you are so good at it? Well, what's interesting, it's funny, I was thinking about this um, after we talked the first time, Andy, was I realized I coached aerial and flying trapeze before Pilates and personal training. Mm. And coaching aerial and flying trapeze is very different. You have to be very quick. You have to be really clear in your cues. There's no fluff. You have to be direct. You have to be supportive because safety and strength and all of those things matter in a way that they don't matter in other areas. And so that directness and clarity really found its way into the circuit fitness program, because in that workshop, we also have an entire section that's devoted to how to cue the, the workout in a way that 
really make sure people feel special. They feel like they're getting a personal training session, even though it's small group, but they also get the benefit of, um, you know, all of the different movements and they, they actually are learning. So it really feels more like a team practice rather than a group fitness and to really draw that athleticism out of folks and um, make sure that, you know, you have that focused, meaningful cueing um, going on in all of your sessions. Oh, that's good. I'm going to ask you a little bit about that cueing, but I, I do like that when you talked about how, when you're really good at something, how do you teach it? And the thing that you said is, is just that you already had that skill and expertise at coaching before you even got good at it. And so I do think that that's something for trainers to consider is maybe reflect back from an empathic standpoint, when you first started mm-hmm. doing something and think about being a beginner in an activity, because remember mm-hmm. being good at something and teaching something are two totally different things. And so I think, you know, you mentioned being very direct, being very quick. And it's interesting because where I really learned, where I think I became a really sound cure was I taught step. For years, I taught step when it was a wood box with carpeting. This is why I have no knees anymore. But that is where I became an expert cure because you have to definitely cue before they do. You have to be right on top of it. You always have to know what you're doing. You have to be quick. You have to be very concise. Like you said, no fluffy words because people need to get where they're going and you need to be on top of your game or they're going to get injured. And so, and I think it's that way with kettlebell training, lots of different training. So Elizabeth, let's go into some of those concepts that you teach your coaches about cueing, how to make this not just circuit fitness, but to make it an experience. What are, give us one of those concepts that you think are, is essential. Well, one of these is really simple, almost too simple, Angie. <laughs> but um, there's a template in the, in the manual that we share with our folks that take our workshop. And it has a space for writing everyone's preferred name, how they like to be addressed, and a way to remember that. And this came, this was inspired when I took a group fitness class and someone asked me, oh, Elizabeth, do you go by Liz? I said, no, I prefer Elizabeth. And what did she call me the entire class? Liz, and it was driving me a little crazy. So it's really important for people to hear their name because we don't often hear that in everyday life. And it helps them feel, we get that attention and it reinforces our individuality. So it might sound really simple, but honestly, anyone listening, start incorporating some of that into your interactions with folks. Talk to people in a way where you actually use their preferred name now and then, and they will really appreciate it, even if they're not conscious of it. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you, I think that knowing someone's name is one of the greatest, greatest ways to connect with that person. Do you know how good it feels when you haven't seen someone for six months, six years, and they remember your name? Or how good does it feel when you pass them in the hallway and they say your name, or you walk into a party and they say your name, or you get on a Zoom meeting, which is our life, and they say your name. Um, In my counseling master's program, I remember um, we had one of the, we took terms presenting on different topics. And one of the counselors spoke about the power of a name and, and what that means to us, our, our name that was given to us at birth and how important it is because we feel like people value us when they remember our name. So I'm talking to Elizabeth Squiat. She owns Circuit 
fitness. And she has a PhD and she also um, is a former circus performer. So right now we're talking about not just how to infuse circus training fun into working with clients, but we're talking about how to cue and create experiences when we're working with clients. And one of them is the power of learning people's names whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in a small group. So what's another cueing concept that you think is super important and transferable no matter what we're coaching our clients? Right. Another one I would say is to give positive feedback. And this doesn't always mean this isn't a vague good job. It means affirming something that they're doing or, or being um, directive towards what your client should do and not what they shouldn't do. So instead of saying, uh, don't be so high in your lunge, you might give someone's name and say, Angie, I'm liking the range of motion in your lunges mm -hmm. because now I'm very, I used your name. I was very specific in my cue. And by saying it aloud, I'm not only confirming to you val valuing your effort in the workout, but other people are hearing it. So they're also thinking, oh, I should pay attention to my range of motion. So that's a meaningful cue that's specific about what I'm looking for and not what not to do, if that makes sense. So that's another really good thing. So think of ways as you're scanning a room, what do you want to see? And actually be really specific in those cues that you're directing toward your client. I think that that is a really powerful one, Elizabeth. And I, I actually, I taught a workshop at Optima called Solution Focused Fitness. And I talked about those being very solution focused, focusing on what's working versus what's not working. And if we want to focus on what's working, we have to really um, capitalize off of what is working. And we get caught up in cueing of cueing the negative. Okay, put your shoulders down. Okay, tighten your core. But what about, I love the way you're doing whatever it is that they're doing and really being very, very descriptive and explicit and, and focusing on what's working. And, you know, I think if we do this in our everyday communication, whether we're talking to our kids or our spouse, just focusing on what we love about them or focusing on what we appreciate about them. Do you know, if we remembered people's names and we went through our days focusing on what we like about people and what's working versus what's not working, I think we would all be so much happier. <laughs> so, yeah. I love that, Angie. I'm going to take that with me to through the rest of today. I appreciate you sharing that and, and affirming that. Yeah, for sure. You know, we're going to do that with our pets. I'm so good at telling my my kitty Louie and my puppy Bodie what they're doing well, but I don't know if I'm really as good at it as telling my spouse. So I'm going to have to work on that too. So Elizabeth, I think you had one more kind of cueing uh, tip that you might want to share with us that you include in your manual, but is very transferable to all of us as coaches and trainers. What would you say? Well, you know, one um, that I thought of since we talked, Angie, was really to not make assumptions about your clients, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes we can go in a workout and we have heard things like, go for it, blah, blah, you know, push it, push it, push it. But the reality is we don't know what's going on behind someone's face. We don't know what news they heard before they walked in the door. We don't know what they're going home to afterwards. So I think it's just really important to not make assumptions and to offer choices to our clients. So instead of saying, push it, push it, push it, we might say, go for a level seven at this station, you know, assuming that we've done some education on what that level seven means, right? Because we all know as 
people that work out a lot, if we are stressed, if we're sleep deprived, you know, it can be a hard day to work out, right? So that level seven or level five can change from day to day. So I think it's just re really meeting the clients where they're at, giving them those choices and, um, you know, encouraging them to make the best choice for each movement, station, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, just being emotionally intelligent. So not making assumptions is huge. I'm really glad that you shared that one. I think back to my days when um, I lived in Arizona and I remember one day walking into the gym and I've told this story before and one of my regulars who always took my step class was standing outside and she looked broken. I could see it from, from all the way across the parking lot. She just looked broken. And she was eating a banana more from like, I should eat this than it feels good to eat this. Like I need something in my stomach. And I walked up and I said, how are you? And she said, um, my husband told me last night that he's leaving. We are getting a divorce. And she held it together. And I said, you know, I praised her for coming to class. Obviously, that's not going to be the day that I'm going to push her and get in her face and say, come on, let's go. I think that we have to pay attention to people's body language, pay attention to the fact that there's a lot going on in the world right now. There's a lot of heavy stuff. So like you said, don't make assumptions. Maybe one day there's seven feels like a 15 and maybe one day their seven feels like a two. It's all they've got. So um, Elizabeth, I, I want to just, you know, kind of close this out by you and I doing a quick summary. So again, I'm talking to Elizabeth Squiat and she owns Circuit Fitness. And I wanted to have her on because I think January is a perfect time to be thinking about how do I make fitness fun for my clients? People are really going through it right now. The pandemic is still going on. It's it's difficult to stay motivated, personally let alone to motivate our clients. So what about creativity and playfulness? And what about the athleticism of a circuit? How do we bring that into our clients? And Elizabeth has a great program that you could go through, but even if you didn't, you know, creativity in the brain is important. And Elizabeth, what I heard you say was try to do, even if it's the same thing, do it differently. Right. So if, if I want to swing kettlebells two days a week, fine. But then what about trying something different? What about exploring? Elizabeth, you use the word exploring, exploring what my brain can do, my body can do, exploring the emotional connection to my movements. What else could could sum all this up that you and I talked about kind of just in summary, bringing circus to our clients? Well, you know, actually something you just said um, about putting my, you know, thinking about what we're doing and being present with that. And that's something that I think is so important in the circus. For circus, it's safety. If I'm, you know, when my first performance was 30 feet in the air and my brain had to be, that where my feet were because my feet were not on the ground, but my brain had to be in my body, completely present, right? And we really bring that into circuit fitness too. I'm really helping people feel, be present where they're at. There's so much going on in the world. All of those problems and issues will be out there when we're done with our workout. So I think also really helping people be present where they're at, be present in their bodies, be with the people they're with and getting the most out of that session. That can also, it's mindfulness. It's another way of, of training mindfulness, yeah. right? And that can only support our, our health, all facets of our health um, outside of the gym too. 
Absolutely. And the thing is, is that if we're in that exploratory process, if we're doing different things, my brain is going to be on fire. I am going to be present and in the moment because if I'm doing something I haven't done before, I have to be fully present. I can't just go through the motions. And I think that's another key concept. Even if you don't bring circus training to your clients, what can you do to help them explore their body? And what can you do to help them be fully present? And in order to do that, I think that we keep having to, we need to keep throwing new stimuli at them. Even if it's the same tool and the same exercise, what can we do to make it look or feel different for their body? So um, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you for, for addressing that because safety is key. And the more present we are in our training sessions, the safer we're going to be. A hundred percent. And safety keeps us healthy and healthy keeps us consistent. And progress happens with consistency, right? So it yeah. all it all is forward movement. Absolutely. So Elizabeth, before we go, how can they get a hold of you if they are interested in going through your program and doing circuit style training and going through your one day program? How can they learn more about the importance of learning names and coaching and <laughs> and uh, doing the flying trapeze? Oh, wait, you don't do that, but you do do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So probably a really easy way is to go to our website, circuitfitness.com. You can also call or text us at 833-2CIRC, 833-224-777. I will mention that we are also an NASM academic partner. So if folks are interested in getting another NASM certification, CPT, um, corrective exercise, all of those things, they can also get that through our academy, whether or not they take the circuit fitness workshop. We love to support them in that. So um, we have also, of course, our NASM uh, approved for continuing ed workshop, circuit fitness. And again, 8332CIRC or circuitfitness.com. Okay, cool. You know what? Thanks so much, Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us. I hope that all of you, I hope this brought a little bit of playfulness. Last week, we talked about going to the beach and teaching on the beach. (laughs) This week, we're talking about circus. So I really want to add some fun to fitness. And I want to get all of you trainers motivated because, man, it's hard to keep ourselves motivated. Let's work on ways to keep those clients motivated. So to all of you listening, our NASM and NAPA family, thank you. And we will see you next week.